Hello, everybody. There you are. There you are. Well, good morning. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're in part three of what series? All right, you are ready and prepared for today. So we're in part three of our Say What series where we're exploring commands of God that don't make sense, commands of God that cause us to pause and say, God, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? Like, that doesn't make sense. And we're looking at things like when God asks us to love people who are hard to love, forgive people who hurt us, where God asks us to give of our time, talents, and treasures, when God says, hey, don't worry about anything. And we started this series by looking at one of the foundational commands that Jesus said in John 14, 15, when he said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Or if you love me, do what I ask. Another way to say that is, if you love me, do what I've modeled for you. And we started by acknowledging together that that is one of the hardest things for us to do, to obey God. We'd rather do almost anything than that. We'd rather like sacrifice or go tell a lot of people about Jesus. But when it comes to obedience, Jesus says the greatest thing we can do to demonstrate our love for him is to obey. That's foundational for our relationship with God. It's foundational in the rest of what we are learning in this series. Anybody remember what we learned last week? Yes. What did we learn last week? Love one another. Love one another? Yep. Was that what you were going to say? Yeah. You had it right. You were the first one to get your hand up. Dad should get you a cookie after church today. So we talked last week about the greatest commandment, and that is to love everyone. Jesus summarized that in loving God, loving people, and then he narrowed that down to just love everyone. And then last week, we had this really challenging homework assignment, and that was to go out this week, and don't just go out and love everybody. That's like too big, too hard. So the challenge was go out and just love one person, not an easy person to love. Go find someone who's hard to love. Anybody glad that homework assignment's over? All right, it's not over. It's not over. Okay. So I know it may have been a hard week, uh, but I hope that as you've walked through this week, you have had a new appreciation for how God loves us when we are kind of unlovable, when we're hard to love. So keep on loving that person. Keep on learning what it means to love God and love people, and then extend it to other people in your circle as well. Now, today, um, before we get into part three, I want to give you an update that I told you about last week that I was going to announce a building update for us. So I want to give you a building update real quick. And for those of you who aren't familiar with this, we actually own 16 acres of land down on the State Road 100 corridor. So here's a picture of where that property is. If you are familiar with our community, if you know where the hospital is, if you know where the high school is, if you know where the airport is, then you know the general area for where our property is. So if you go to Seminole Woods Parkway, just off State Road 100, and if you head south just a quarter of a mile, then you'll find our property. We've got some big signs on the property that that say Four Flagler. So if you see some Four Flagler signs, then that's our property that we hope to put a building on in the the future. Now, I want to tell you a little bit 
about what has happened behind the scenes. So I know we haven't given a lot of updates uh, because some of our updates are not all that exciting. They're kind of boring. So we've been walking through kind of the slow process of vetting different architectural and building companies. We've explored other churches. We've done a lot of field trips. We've, we've met with our ministry teams to really dig through what do we think that we need? What do we think that we want in our building? We've met with engineers and building planners. We've put together an, what we call an epic vision packet. It's like a 150-page packet that helps us capture the heartbeat of our church and helps us understand what we think we want in a building so that we can use that to give to our architect and our builders as we walk through that process. And we have been told by some companies that the work that we've done already in that process is going to save us about $20,000. And so we're grateful for the the team that we have around here that have worked very hard uh, to get us to this spot. And so I'm excited to announce after all that work that we've done, we have hired our architect and we have hired our building contractor. And I want to introduce them to you. So um, this first picture here is going to show you our architect. So our architect, they operate this company called Space. Not sure if you can see that real well, but they operate a company called Space. This is Thomas Small and Mark Allen. And Thomas has been an architect for 40 years. And Mark Allen has been a pastor for 20 years. And he has been on staff at Life Church. So if you're not familiar with Life Church, it's led by Craig Rochelle. And they are one of the largest churches in the United United States. They have campuses all over. And Mark was in charge of helping them to build their church buildings and all of their campuses all around the United States. And they've got a unique partnership. Their unique partnership allows them to navigate the unique complexities of building church buildings. And they've got a lot of experience in that. And we're grateful to be working with them. Now, our builder is, is this, is um, The company that we're working with is called Collage. They're out of Lake Mary. And this is Brian Walsh. Brian Walsh is their uh, president, their CEO. So he started this company. He was involved in this, this company for the past 40 years. And Brian's got this amazing story of him coming to faith in Christ very early in his career. And when he stepped into his career, he stepped into it with some partners, and his partners left the, the company and left the company in a really bad situation. So Brian had to figure out, like, how do I fix this? How do I rebuild this? And because he was a new follower of Jesus, he said, God, this is your company, so I want you to build it the way that you want it built. And so God has honored him over the past 40 years and has grown a substantial business. 75% of their business is used to build commercial properties, commercial complexes like conference centers and hotels and other big complexes. 25% of their business is dedicated to building churches. And it's a true ministry for them. So it's just been an honor to get to know Brian and to hear his heart for the ministry that he has and why he does what he does. He's so excited about building churches. He's so excited to be involved in building our church here in our community. So we are grateful to be partnering with both of these groups and excited about what's going to be coming next. Now, here's some of what we're going to be doing next. So our next steps are we're going to meet with these guys this week. And we're going to begin to discuss the building design 
And from what I understand, after several months, we will have some architectural plans, some drawings for the, the layout of the building, what the building's gonna look like inside and outside. We're gonna have a master development plan that we can take to the city to submit to the city for phase one of engaging our property. Phase one will involve clearing the land for pre-building use so that we can actually get out on the property and start engaging it in, in ways uh, for our church family. And then we will engage phase two. Phase two will involve raising the necessary funds that we need for building this building that we're gonna be designing here in the next few weeks and months. So there's a whole lot for us to do before we get to that spot where we have this building and we're able to be in this building, but we are one step closer and I know that most of us are really excited about that. So just wanted to give you that update, ask you to be praying for us, and then I just want us to start together by praying, then we'll transition back into our message. So if you would, let's just pray together. God, I'm so excited for this next step that we're uh, stepping into this week with these two amazing companies led by these amazing people. Uh, Lord, they, they carry our heartbeat in what they do in their careers and in their ministries. Lord, I'm so grateful to know that they see their careers as true ministries for serving churches who can serve the world. And so, God, we're looking forward to building strong relationships with them over the, the time that we'll be working together. I pray that you would give us amazing unity and uh, help us to communicate well the heartbeat that we have for Flagler County and beyond. So we pray your blessings on our time as we meet with him this week and that begins to unfold uh, us into the next chapter. God, I also pray for us today as we talk about this next command that you have for us that it's really challenging. Lord, it stretches us in, in ways that other commands don't. So Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully to us today and Lord, transform us through this command, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, thank you for doing that with me. Now, if you are ready for part three, let's all say together, say what? Say what? All right, you're ready. So in Luke chapter six, Jesus says one of the strangest things ever. He says in Luke uh, six, verse 38, he says, give and you will receive. Give and you will receive. Now, I find this command of Jesus very interesting because I always thought if I had something and I gave it away, I'd have less of that thing. At least that's what my second grade teacher, Mrs. Walker, taught me. So Mrs. Walker taught me that if I had four apples and I give one apple away, how many apples do I have left? Great, you were paying attention in second grade. Great job. So that's what I thought. So I'm thinking like when I read this, like Jesus needs to find Mrs. Walker up in heaven and get some math tutoring because Jesus' math is off. But then Jesus continues and he says, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, I like the sound of it. Like, that's a little confusing, but I like the sound of it. So apparently, if I give an apple away, I'm going to get a bushel full of apples back and maybe some applesauce because it's been, you know, shaken together and pressed down. So that sounds great, but what are we supposed to give? 
Well, Jesus answers that in Matthew 25. So we're going to jump over to Matthew 25 and spend most of our time there. But in Matthew 25, Jesus starts describing to his disciples what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says in verse 14, he says, again, meaning he's been talking to them about the kingdom of heaven, about eternal things. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Now, we're going to stop there for just a second. Um, Most Bible translations say that this master gave his followers, gave his servants talents. And in this context, a talent was a way of measuring gold or silver. And if we kind of take uh, some, some math, we apply it to uh, inflation and, and our culture, we can understand that one talent today could be equal to $900,000. Anybody like to be given that by your boss? Like that, that would be pretty exciting. So it's a lot of money. This isn't chump change. So Jesus continues and he says, this master gave five bags of silver to one servant or five talents to one servant, which could be equal to about $5 million, almost. A lot of money. He gave two bags to another servant. He gave one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. There's a lot in that statement right there. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account for how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who'd received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I would give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, so I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to one of the 10, to one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So we're gonna pause there. And I want to help point out five different things out of this story for us to understand that's really important for us to understand. Then we're going to make some applications for all of us from this. So the first thing I want you to know that is that this is a parable. So Jesus often taught in parables. And a parable is just a made-up story that Jesus would use to teach about something that wasn't made up, to teach us about something that was real. So even though this is a made-up story, it has a lot 
to teach us. So this is a parable. And the second thing that you need to know is that parables have limits. Parables all have limitations to them. Sometimes we read things into parables and we get stuck in parables and think, well, what does this mean in this situation? Or what does this parable mean in that situation? Sometimes we push the parable beyond its limitations and we then get into trouble. So for example, if you read this and think, oh no, if I'm not good with financial investing, I'm gonna be in trouble when I stand before God. If you're thinking that, you're reading into it. That's not what Jesus is talking about. We'll learn a little bit more about what Jesus is talking about in a minute. But the third thing I want you to notice is that Jesus is the master who went away on a trip. Again, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's saying the kingdom of heaven can be described like this. And so he describes this man, this master who leaves on a trip, and he's the guy who left on a trip. So after his resurrection, Jesus gave his disciples, his followers, his servants, the greatest mission ever. It's known as the Great Commission. And that is to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then to teach these disciples to obey. We go back to what we learned two weeks ago to teach everybody how to obey his commands, to live in a right relationship with him. So that's the great commission that God has given all of us. And Jesus left and said, listen, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. Anybody excited that one day Jesus is going to come back? So I think Jesus is going to come back sometime soon. Don't know when. Could be Today could be tomorrow, could be 50 years from now, not sure, but I think Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back soon. So before Arnold Schwarzenegger said, I'll be back, Jesus said, I'll be back. And we need to be ready for that. And then he tells us how to be ready for that. And this is the fourth thing I think we should know. He said that we need to use everything that we have been given as his followers to make eternal investments in people. Everything we've been given, we should make eternal investments in people. That is the greatest thing that we can do. We talked about that last week. The great commandment is to love God and love people. So Jesus said, the greatest thing you can do is really learn how to love God and love people for all of eternity. So when Jesus said the master gave money to his servants, he wasn't just talking about money. He was talking about everything that we've been given. He's talking about time, talents, relationships, our careers, our health, our money, like everything that we've been given has been given to us by God. So another thing Jesus is saying is, is that, you know, all that stuff that we have doesn't belong to us. And that's where many of us pause and say, say what? Like, what do you mean it doesn't belong to us? I mean, I've worked really hard to get it. Uh, I've, I've worked really hard to maintain it. What do you mean it doesn't belong to me? And Jesus says, all of that belongs to God. And then Psalms 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Like everything in it. Like that's pretty all-encompassing. Everything in the earth belongs to the Lord. The world and all of its people belong to him. So everything we have has been entrusted to us. And God wants those of us who are his followers to use those resources well. So here's the fifth thing that I want us to notice. Jesus said he would reward his followers who use what we've been entrusted for eternal purposes. Uh, those servants 
who invested those resources in people for eternity were rewarded with more, more responsibility and more resources. And that reinforces what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, where he said, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, I don't personally subscribe to the uh, prosperity theology belief that is somewhat prevalent in our world today where uh, you'll hear a pastor say, if you give $100, you'll get $1,000 in return. Uh, I don't fully buy into that. Uh, And that might be weird to hear from a pastor. But I think that does happen sometimes. But we got to understand that God's rewards are far more eternal than just a few bucks here and there. They're far more eternal. Jesus is talking about eternal rewards here. Now, I do think God will provide for us as we obey him in this. We'll see more of that in just a minute. I do think God will provide. Uh, But this is not like a get-rich-quick scheme in our relationship with God. So for those of you who are Christ followers, I want to speak to you for for just a moment, whether you're here on campus or you're watching online, uh, I want to speak directly to you. And if you aren't a Christ follower yet, uh, don't check out because there's still a lot that you can learn as I walk through these questions related to Christ followers. So my first question is this, how are you doing at using the things that God has entrusted to you for eternal purposes? How are you doing at using everything that God has entrusted to you for eternal purposes? We'll start with your time. How are you doing at using your time and seeing your time actually belongs to God? How are you doing at using your time to invest in other people so that they possibly can start a relationship with God or grow in their relationship with God. Uh, We're all given the same amount of time, uh, 24 hours in a day. You know, you may only be given 20 years in your life. You may be given 90 years in your life, uh, but we're all given 24 hours in a day that we can use to focus on us or we can use to focus on investing in other people. How are you doing it using your time to invest in other people? Not long ago, I found myself really tired at the end of a long day, and uh, I was ready to go home and just kind of chill out at home. And on my, my way home, I ended up in a conversation with somebody that ended up being a really lengthy conversation that I wasn't quite prepared for. Uh, but I'm so glad that God guided us into that conversation, because God guided me and this other person into an amazing spiritual conversation. And at the end of that conversation, I was in awe of what God is doing in this person's life. And I wasn't tired anymore. I was excited. I was rejuvenated. I was ready to go back to work for round two. Uh, I was just so grateful for God allowing me to be a part of that conversation. And I almost missed it. I almost missed it because I was viewing my time as my time. Instead of saying, God, uh, what do you want me to do with the time that you've given me? Who do you want me to invest in? Who do you want me to talk to? And when I have that perspective, then I adjust my calendar according to who God brings along in my day. 
and what God wants me to do in my day. My, my most frustrating days are when God doesn't work with my calendar. When, when I create my calendar, when I create the things that I want to accomplish that day, and I've mapped out the best way for me to use my time, and God doesn't work with me. That frustrates me until I have a shift in my thinking. And when I recognize, oh, God, you have an agenda. This is your time. It's not mine. And I need to be adjusting to your calendar, not mine. That's God's alarm right there. He's telling somebody, you know, you got to pay attention to your time because it's not yours. All right, so what do you do with your time? You can do a lot of things with your time. You might be able to spend a few extra minutes with a coworker who's struggling. Just invest in a coworker who's really having a hard time right now. You could help a neighbor or get to know a neighbor. Maybe you have a neighbor you don't know. And maybe you could get to know them a little bit. Maybe you could serve through one of our local partners like Grace Community Food Pantry. They're an amazing ministry doing some amazing things. And uh, if you could volunteer some time there, I know they would benefit greatly from that. You could invest some of your time serving here at Epic. There are many things that you could do to use your time wisely for all of eternity. And that would help all of us recognize, you know what? This isn't really my time. It's God's time. So I need to use it well. So how are you doing it using your time? My next question is, how are you doing it using your talents to build God's kingdom? How are you doing it using your talents, your abilities, your experiences, your spiritual gifts? You know, with those things, we can build God's kingdom or we can build our kingdoms. And I don't know if that's a struggle for you, but it's a struggle for me sometimes. There are moments that, that I want to use the things that God has entrusted to me to build my kingdom, not God's kingdom. But the reality is our kingdoms aren't going to last. Only God's kingdom will last. So we need to use our talents the things that God has given us, the abilities that we have, the things that we're good at, the experiences that we have to build God's kingdoms, not our own. Now, some of you know this, but I have a background in counseling. And about 25 years ago, I had a dream. And my dream involved starting a private practice counseling center here in Flagler County to build a name for myself. And back then, I was working in mental health, and I had a lot of great connections, and I thought there was a lot of opportunities that, that I could use and leverage to do this, to pull this off, to build a, a counseling ministry that would help build my name. And not a counseling ministry, a counseling center. And then 21 years ago, God called me into full-time ministry. And I thought, well, that dream's gone. But guess what dream God brought back two years ago? He shifted it from a counseling center to a counseling ministry through our church. And two years ago, we started a counseling ministry to serve people in our community in uh, these chaotic times. And we have helped a whole lot of people. We started a care network. We started a counseling ministry. And we envision this ministry being a substantial ministry that will build God's name in our community and beyond. Not my name. It's not about me. It's not about Epic. It's about Jesus and what he has done, and what he can do for people in our community and in our world. And so I wonder for you, how does God want you to use your talents to build his kingdom? Maybe you have a dream for yourself, and maybe God has that same dream for you, but maybe God's dream is way bigger than any dream that you could ever have. God wants you to use your, your talents in that way, and I wonder, how are you doing at that? 
You know, in our community, you could find many ways to use your experiences, to use your talents, uh, to benefit other people. Maybe you could be a, a mentor and mentor a student in, in one of our schools. You could teach a young business leader how to grow their business. You could volunteer in our children and student ministries here at Epic. I think we all understand that, that right now, our children and students are facing some weird things in our world. They are being thrown all kinds of things that they have to navigate and, and figure out how, how to walk through this. You, you know what they need? They need some adults who love Jesus, who can help them navigate this stuff and figure that out. Maybe that's you. If you have construction skills, you can serve with Habitat for Humanity, another, another one of our partners that are doing an amazing job in our community. If you can sing, guess what? You can serve on our worship team. I can't, but maybe you can, because I can't sing. If you have administrative skills, you could use those skills like almost anywhere. There are all kinds of things that you could do. And I wonder, are you using your talents to build God's kingdom? Are you using your talents to build your kingdom? God's kingdom will last far longer than any of our kingdoms. Now, lastly, how are you doing at using your treasures for eternal purposes? By treasures, I mean possessions and money. And this is where many of us get a little squirmy in church when a pastor starts talking about this stuff. So you just need to relax, okay? I know none of us like to hear about money and possessions and what God has to say to us about that because we always are a little bit worried that the pastor's gonna manipulate that just a little bit. So just relax, okay? Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. This is God speaking to us. And he says, honor the Lord, with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. So one of the first ways that we can honor God with our money and our stuff is to recognize all of it belongs to him. All of it really belongs to him. So do you see that all your stuff, all that stuff in your garage, all that stuff in your storage unit, all that stuff in your house, it really belongs to God? Do you see that all that money in your bank account, it really belongs to God? Honestly, I struggle with that. I struggle with that at times because there are moments like I think I have worked so hard for this. So I hold tightly to these things and I struggle with recognizing that it really belongs to God. And here's what I found in my life, that when I struggle and I cling tightly to things that I think are mine because I've worked so hard for those things, God has a really hard time putting anything new in my hands. He has a really hard time putting anything new in my life. But when I open my hands, when I hold those things loosely, God can put something new in my hands because he knows I can be trusted with that thing. And God can also take something out of my hands if he needs to. And guess what? When I'm holding it loosely, I trust God for that because I know that God might put something even greater in my hands or, or God is growing me in significant ways and he's trusting me with that. And as I open my hands, I think God does more significant things in my life than, than I really recognize. So here's a challenging question. Is there anything that God is asking you to loosen your grip on and give away? Is there anything 
that you have maybe sitting in your garage, sitting in a storage unit you haven't used in years. And every time your spouse comes by and sees that and says, what are you doing with that thing? And you say, I'm keeping it. Why? Because it's mine. Maybe God's saying, you're not using it. You don't need it. But there's somebody else down the street. There's somebody else at work. There's somebody at church who really could use that. So maybe God's asking you to loosen your grip on that and to give that thing away. I don't know how that could apply to you. I have no idea. But I know that we all have got to learn how to loosen our grip on the things that we think are ours and remind ourselves on a regular basis, God, this really is yours. So how do you want me to use the stuff that you've given me to build your kingdom? Now, listen to what God says about our financial treasures. He gets real specific in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So in this passage, God promises to provide for us and to protect us as we obey him when it comes to our finances. Now, the the tithe means tenth in this passage, means tenth in every passage that you, you read in scripture. The storehouse is a reference to God's temple or the church today. So what God is asking for his followers to do, he's asking us to give 10% of our income back to him through a local church so God can use that church to build his kingdom in that community. Now stay with me here, okay? Because again, this is where we get squirmy in church when, when we start talking about this. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. Let me prove it to you. Do you know what I do with God? I test God in every other area in the Bible, except this one. And God says in many passages, don't test me in this area. Don't put me to the test. And this one, he says, put me to the test and see what I'll do in your life. So for many years, I was afraid to put God to the test in this area of my life for fear of what would happen, for fear that God wouldn't provide, that God wouldn't protect. So over 22 years ago, I considered myself a generous tipper, but the reality was when it came to my money, I was a bad tither. I wasn't trusting God with my finances. So after I'd paid all the bills and had all the fun that that my family and I wanted to have that month, if there was anything left over, I might consider giving some of that to a church that we were a part of. But as I was growing in my relationship with God, I learned God doesn't want my leftovers. He wants the best that I have. God doesn't give me his leftovers. So God wants the best that we all have. So again, Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. The best part. So God says, bring the best, not the last. Don't bring the leftovers. And that discipline of giving God our best reminds us on a regular basis that everything we have really belongs to God. 
It helps us fulfill the mission that God has that he wants to, to use us to do to build his kingdom in the world. And it's through that obedience to that command that the windows of heaven are opened. God protects and God provides in our lives. So over 22 years ago, my wife and I started to tithe. And it was the scariest thing ever, especially in that time in our lives, because we were at that time living under the poverty line. We had a young family, we had two kids. And we were making less than $10,000 a year. And God kept saying to us, will you trust me with your money? Will you trust me with your resources? Will you trust that it's actually mine, that I've given it to you? And will you give some back to me in recognition that all of it really does belong to me? And we were scared to death. And at that time, I'm, I'm, I'm having these conversations with God, like, say, what, God? This is crazy. This is a tiny amount. Like, you can't do anything with this amount. It's so small. And he said back, I don't need that amount. I'm looking for something bigger. It's your heart. This little amount of money that you give, 10% of your income, is tied to your heart. And I'm after your heart. So my wife and I began tithing. And uh, my wife was in charge of the finances back then, so that's probably why we began tithing. <laughs> so we started tithing, and we started watching God provide in ways that are supernatural to us. Like, he provided in abundance, and so for 22 years, we've put God to the test. He's never let us down. He's provided, he's protected, he's, he's given in abundance to us, and now we give more than 10% away. We give 10% of our income back to God here through what God is doing at Epic. We give beyond that. We support three uh, missionaries that we're so glad to support for what they are doing in our nation and in our world. We give beyond that. And we've been giving this past year and a half to our four Flagler initiatives because we're excited about the initiative that God has placed on our hearts as a church and the mission that he has for us. And we have found that we can't outgive God. It's just not possible. And so it's been exciting to watch God work in our lives through that. Now, here's the kicker about God's command to give. God never asks us to do anything he isn't willing to do. And you may know this verse. It's the most famous Bible verse of all times. And in it, Jesus says in John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He, what's that next word? He gave. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So get this, Jesus is God's tithe for us. Jesus is the best that God had to offer. He said, I'm not holding back on you. I'm not pulling out my wallet and flipping through and you know, if I've got like a $100 bill there, I've got a 50, I've got a 20, I've got a 10, I'm like, eh, maybe I'll give the 20. Jesus wasn't that on God's behalf for us. God emptied his wallet when it came to Jesus. Jesus is the best that God had to offer. And so when God asks us to give, it's not because he's asking anything from us other than he wants us to experience the benefit of giving because he is a generous God and we cannot outgive God. It's not possible. When we give, we are most like God regardless of what we're giving, whether we're giving our time, our talents, or our treasures, and when we understand it all belongs to him, that's when we are most like him. I want to tell you about a group in our church who really understands this. And uh, this group might surprise you, but it's our children's ministry. 
So our children's ministry involves what we call tide pool and uh, riptide. So riptide is first, first grade up to fifth grade. Tide pool is nursery up to kindergarten. And we sponsor every year some kids in Guatemala so those kids can go to school. Our, our children's ministry does this. And uh, right now we're, we're sponsoring these three children. We've actually sponsored their entire family. They're, they have five kids in this family. We've sponsored them through the past 12 years or, or maybe it's been about 10 years. Um, but this is Erica. Uh, this is... Darn it, and her name just went blank. Who knows her? Maria. There you go, thank you. And this is Marcos. Uh, she's 10, uh, she's 12, he's 10, and uh, Erica is in college. And for kids of these two ages to go to school, it costs about $165 uh, for each kid to go to school in elementary school. And then when they get to middle school, it costs over $300 for them to go to school. So uh, school isn't free there. It, it's a significant investment. Many families can't afford to send their kids to school. And so we've had the privilege over the past, again, 10 years or so to help their kids get through school. Erica is now in college. So we've seen her through middle school, through high school. Now she's in college. She's getting a nursing degree. That is a life changer for her. So the fact that we can help these kids go to school is going to be life changers for them. It'll radically change their experience uh, on this earth and in Guatemala. Well, our children's ministry, again, every year, they sponsor uh, this family, these kids. So our tide pool area uh, got involved. Our, our riptide area got involved. And they did some things like this. They gave their birthday money away. So when somebody asked, what do you want for your birthday? They said, will you give towards the kids we're sponsoring in Guatemala? Now, when I was in third grade, I would say, could you do that in addition to giving me some big birthday gifts? But many of these kids said, would you just give towards that? They did extra chores. They sold artwork. They did a lot of things. Our tide pool area, so this is just a small portion of our tide pool area. Our pre-K and our kindergartners raised $168.73. Then our riptide area, first through fifth grade, in their first week raised $330. And they said, this is so exciting. Let's keep giving. And so then they raised $719.70 for a total of $888.43. I am so proud of our kids' ministry. And here's some pictures of our kids' ministry involved in this. So this picture is Tide Pool and some of our leaders helping them understand what our, our sponsor kids go through in their country and what they need for them to go to school. And this is our Riptide area. And they are gathered around and they are praying for our Guatemalan kids. Why? Because they understand our time, talents, and treasures don't belong to us. And we need to use them to invest in other people to build God's kingdom. So proud of our kids' ministry. So here's my closing challenge for all of us. Be like our kids. Don't bury your treasures. Don't bury the stuff that you've been given. Don't bury your time. Don't bury your, your talents. Don't bury your treasures. Don't, don't bury your health. Don't bury um, uh, the relationships that you've been given. Number one, find ways to give your time to invest in others for eternity. Number two, find ways to give your talents to build God's kingdom. And number three, trust God by giving 10% of your income back to him through a local church. For the first two, 
We've got many opportunities here for you to get active in that. You could serve through any of our, our ministry areas. You could serve through some of our partners. So if you're interested in giving of your time, your talents here through our church, you can stop by our Connection Center. You can talk with someone there. And when it comes to our finances, you've got several ways you can give. If you choose to give here, you can give through our giving boxes or you can uh, give online at theepicchurch.com. And let me just say this. If in any way you feel pressure from me, if in any way you feel like I've tried to manipulate scripture to get you to give, let me take that pressure off and let me say, don't give here. Give somewhere else. If you're a Christ follower, I, I can't find in scripture where we aren't supposed to give. We're supposed to give of our time, our talents, our treasures, everything that we've been entrusted with. So if you don't feel connected here, you don't want to give here, great, find a church. And when you find that church, give the best of what you have. Don't give your leftovers. Give the best of what you have, your time, your talents, your treasures, everything that you've been entrusted with to build God's kingdom. You won't regret it for all of eternity. So that's the big command that God gives us. Give, and you will receive. So if you would, let's all pray together. And then our worship team is going to close us in a final song. And I want you, during this song, to really reflect on what God is saying to you today through this message. So let's pray. So God, thanks for the opportunity for us to learn uh, how to obey when it comes to all that you've entrusted to us. God, you've given us so much. You've given us time to build your kingdom. You've given us abilities and experiences. You, you've given us finances. You've given us relationships. You've given us health. You've given us all kinds of things. And, and Lord, the reality is that stuff belongs to you. You've entrusted it to us. And you're asking us, as your followers, to use it to build your kingdom. So Lord, may we be like the first two servants in Jesus' parable. May we be the servants who pour that stuff out so we can earn more eternal rewards for you as we build your kingdom. Lord, may we not be the third servant. May we not be the servant who, who buried what you've given us. Lord, and, and if we have been that servant, may we dig that up and say, I gotta learn how to, how to give this stuff away. I gotta learn how to invest this stuff in things that matter for all of eternity. So God, guide us in how to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.